2022, we're going to be sharing with you through the whole year about mentoring and discipling. And it is my job to mentor you, disciple you. It is your job to mentor and disciple one another and uh, everybody around you. We're supposed to be disciplers. And we want to teach you the ways of Christ. How many of you know that the gospel is very simple, but life is complicated? The gospel's simple. Life is complicated. So we always have to keep it simple, saints. Keep it simple. Right? I sanctified that statement. <laughs> You've heard it put different ways. I'm, I'm blessing you with keep it simple, saint. And that's the simplicity of the gospel, obeying the commands of Jesus. What is the good life? How can we have the good life? In our culture, we measure the good life by the things you have and the finance and the ease. And that's not necessarily the good life. The good life is being enriched in Christ. 3 John 1 and 2 says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so, you know, it's unfortunate, but many churches have taken this verse and mingled it with the world's definition of prosperity. Prosperity, very simply, means growth. Prosperity means increase and maturity. Increase and maturity. How many of you know you can have a lot of possessions and prosper financially and be immature? Right? And, and, and you can have a lot of things but not be too smart. In fact, there's a lot of people who have a lot of money, a lot of fame, a lot of good things, and they're addicted to something and they're struggling and they lose it all because they didn't mature. That's not the good life. The good life is not just prospering. Prosper is to increase or grow and mature. Grow and mature. That's the goal of the believer, to grow and mature in Christ, in wisdom. And so John says this, I pray that you may prosper, grow and mature in what? All things in your life. Thank God. That we would grow and mature in all things in our life. And how many of you know that we need health? In our health. At the end of the day, that's the most important thing. I remember spending a couple weeks in Russia in the, uh, after the fall. Well, it actually, it was before the, the, the wall came down. And we were ministering in Russia, and I was in a bunch of cathedrals that used to be storage units for the Communist Party. And they now were given back to the people for churches. They were bare. There was nothing. They had no money. And they had a, a table at the front with a little box for prayer. And people would show up with prayer. And I asked one of the Russian brothers, uh, what was the number one prayer request by the people there? And he said, their health. It's all they're asking God for is that they could live another day. They weren't asking for more cars, a different economy, a different government, or anything else. They were praying for their health. And how many of you know through a pandemic, I pray that your health prospers. So all things, including your health, but he, he qualifies it and he says, as your soul prospers. What good is it for you to have a lot of money if you lose your soul? Jesus talked about the man who was going to build a bigger barn and have more stuff, but 
he didn't take into account the number of his days. What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your what? Soul. Your soul should prosper above all things. Maybe you don't have the nicest car, the nicest house, the nicest clothes, but is your soul prospering? You know, I, if, as long as I'm growing and maturing in Christ and knowing the meaning of life and the meaning of relationships and knowing the beauty and wisdom of God and creation, I can put up with having less because I don't need the distractions from what prospers me the most. This is what the good life is all about. Now, how do we get there? Jesus said this in the Great Commission. He wants us to have this good life, and he tells us to do this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to what? Obey everything I have commanded you. To have the good life, to have your soul prosper, we need to keep it simple, saints. We need to obey the commands of Jesus. Everybody wants a miracle from God to fix this, fix my finance, fix that. You know what? If we would walk in a sanctified use for money, we'd be better off. If we walked in the wisdom of how to treat other people, we would be okay. We would be working through those problems. We need to obey Jesus Christ. What we've done with the Great Commission is we've minimized it. Now, this is a, uh, please understand what I'm saying. We've minimized it to simply mean say the gospel to someone, preach to them about Jesus. But, you know, Jesus had a bigger, wider point of view to this. That if you would baptize them into salvation, and get them to obey all that I have commanded, then the gospel would enrich our lives. Some people say the sinner's prayer, they get saved, and then they continue to live the way they used to, just thinking, well, I'll get to heaven someday. But they don't grow and mature, and that's not the good life, and that's not prosperity. True prosperity is your soul prospering, is the wisdom and knowledge of who Christ is and who you are, and then you steward everything you have. I know some people in South Africa, I know people in China, I know people in Russia, I know people that I've met who don't have the American prosperity, but they are prospering in the kingdom of God, and they are rich and wealthy, taking care of the mud huts that they have and the two sets of clothes that they wear, and they are living the good life. Don't get caught up in the American dream, it's a tragedy. The gospel is the American dream. That's what it should have been all along. Amen? Well, I'm taking you through six principles found in 1 Thessalonians 4, 10 to 12. It's my job to mentor and disciple you in the good life and how to grow and mature and prosper in the things of God. So I want to take you through 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 10 to 12. Six principles. So we're going to dive into this verse. First thing he says is, uh, in fact, you do love all of God's family through Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. We're going to take that apart. Let's take a look at that. Does that sound good? Okay, 
So the six principles. Number one is this. Love God's family. You want to prosper, you want to grow, you want to mature in the kingdom of God, you want to live the good life, love the church. I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about the people, the church. Learn relationships with the body of Christ. Love the brethren and sisterin of Christ. Love one another. Right? This is what we need to do. We need to help each other, care for each other, pray for each other. How many of you have needed prayer in the last year? What if your prayer life was left up to you alone? I don't know about you, but I'd be in trouble. But I ask my brothers and sisters to pray. And I know when brothers and sisters are praying for me. We need each other. And so the number one thing, if you want to live the good life, live among good people. The company you keep, Psalm 1 talks about this. Not to walk in the way of the wicked or to sit among the scoffers, right? But to love the righteous people and walk with righteous people. We're not perfect. Some of you found that out. That's why some of you are sitting over there and a couple of you are over here. <laughs> Keep the peace. <sighs> we challenge each other. We struggle with each other. It doesn't mean we don't love each other. We may have tiffs, rifts, and so forth. But I love the family of God. How many of you love the family of God? How many of you love people that love Jesus, right? I know we can disappoint each other, sure. But we come back to know that we love Jesus and we can pray for each other, care for each other. This is essential. So the number one principle for the good life is surround yourself with believers. Love God's family. Now, he goes on and he makes this really important point. Do this more and more. These six principles I'm going to give you, he says, do it more and more. That's another word for prosper. Increase in maturity. Do it more and more. You thought you loved the church, the love the, the family of God? Love them more. I don't know what happened to me this week, but I fell in love with you more and more. I think because I missed Wednesday night. It, it was weird. I missed Wednesday night. We were waiting on a test for my wife to see if she had COVID or not. She did not. Hallelujah. But it was too late for, for me to preach Wednesday night. We, we were waiting on that answer. It didn't come till the next day. So I had to stay home. And I found myself grieving. I found myself missing the gathering of the people of God. It's nice to be with my wife. But I missed being here. I really did. And I realized how much I love the gathering of the saints. I, I love to worship God together. I love to pray together. I love to hear each other's expression of faith together. I hope that you're falling in love with the family of God more and more. And if you haven't, press in. Come into the family more and more. Increase. That's the good life. If you'll continue to see the value of it, it will bring you prosperity in the good life. Here's the second one. He says this, aspire to live quietly. Obviously not talking about Pentecostal. This has nothing to do with the volume of your voice. What is he talking about quietly? What he means is this, 
First of all, he says, aspire. Make this your aim. Make this your ambition to live quietly. That word there for quietly means a trouble-free life. How many of you want to live a trouble-free life? So you gotta walk where you're, you gotta watch where you're walking. Watch out for getting into trouble, making choices and decisions. Make the decisions that will be wise and mature, that will bless you and keep you on the straight and narrow. Look at if you don't pay your taxes, you're headed for trouble. If you borrow more than you're able to pay back, guess what? You're headed for trouble. If you hook up with unbelievers and hang with people who do not follow the ways of the Lord, what are you headed for? Trouble. See, keep it simple, saints. You want a good life, you want to prosper, then aspire to live an ordered life. Ah, but when we're young, we want to be adventurous. You can be adventurous, just be smart. Wise in the things of God. Follow the precepts of the Lord. There's ten commandments, there's the Sermon on the Mount, obey the teachings of the Lord. Right? Stay pure, stay sexually pure, uh, only move into a sexual life when you're married. Guess what will happen? You'll have an ordered life. Have relationship, friendships with saved people. Only marry a saved person. Some of you are chuckling because you wished you would have aspired to live that life. Right? And so, aspire to live a quiet life, a peaceable life, a life that keeps order and discipline. You see, what we, what we do is we make a mess and then we ask God to fix it. Then we make another mess and we say, God, fix it. Make another mess, say, God, fix it. And, the, and it didn't get fixed the way you wanted. And you say, you give up on God. He doesn't answer my prayers. Well, why don't you answer his ways? Why don't we follow what he set the course to be and be disciplined in it? So love the family of God. Aspire to a quiet life. Here's another one. Mind your own business. <laughs> He didn't put it that way. He said, mind your own affairs. Concentrate on your life and not on others. But he says, mind your affairs. In other words, pay attention to what you're doing. Mind your affairs. Mind your accounts. Keep track of the money you have. Keep ha track on what you spend your money on. Right? Don't waste money. I don't, I'm amazed at how many people buy lottery tickets. Lottery tickets. And you know what's really interesting? And people who are at a poverty level, I used to work with the follow-up for the 700 Club in this region. And I'd get uh, people who would pray and call into the 700 Club for prayer and so forth and, and uh, ask for requests. And they'd send them to me and I'd go visit these people and pray with them. And I don't know how many people I came to that were at a poverty level and when they needed prayer for finance and everything, I'd see on their table hundreds of lottery tickets. Spend so much money on getting that big return. You know, if you would mind the money you had and not waste it, 
gambling. People gamble because they get addicted to the rush of a return, the potential return. And that return will never give you what you think you need. But if you would faithfully mind your finance and affairs, you could live a good life. You can handle a good life. But what happens so many times when we're looking at others, this is a huge problem uh, on Instagram and following people uh, on, on your devices. They're not phones anymore. Nobody even uses them as phones anymore. <laughs> my, my device has an app. It can call people. Anyway. Um, it's envy. I don't know how many of you have uh, Instagram or whatever, but you, you look at people and you see where people are. Oh my gosh, they're in the Everglades. They're in... They're in these beautiful tropical resorts. They're in these amazing mansions and houses. And you look at this, and then you look at the house you're in, and you're going, uh, uh, uh. Right? And, and what happens is half the time, those people aren't even there. Half the time, that it's set up where they went there for a day or whatever. But we envy other people. We look to other people and we go, oh, can't we have that? We're jealous and we're covetous of the better things people have. You know what? Mind your own business because you don't know what it took for them to get what they got. And they may not want what they got. I know a lot of people that have amazing houses. You ever drive down Lakeshore? That's a regular routine for us. Oh, look at that house. Oh, they're adding on to that house. Do they need to add on to that house? They're adding on to that house. Oh. Look in the window and there's no furniture in there. And they can't afford it. <laughs> or they're, well, it doesn't matter. Let's not be jealous of other people. Uh, Peter, I love this story about Peter and John. In John 21, Jesus restores Peter back to himself and he tells Peter how he's going to end his life. You're, someone's going to lead you and you're going to die offering your life for my sake. And you know what Peter's response is? Yeah, but what about John? And I love Jesus' uh, response to him. What is that to you? You follow me. Right? See, a lot of times we're jealous or envious of our other people, but we don't know what they're coping with that got them to where they are. You follow Jesus from where you are. Keep it simple, saints. Mind your own business. Don't worry about them. Right? Testimony time. Everybody hates testimony time. Some get encouraged by testimonies. Others are like, you answered his prayer, you won't answer mine. We get upset with God. Right? We have to mind our own business. Stay in your lane with what God's doing for you. Right? Develop habits of devotion. Improve your mind. Study the truth. Cultivate relationships. Mind your affairs. Do them well. Don't look to someone else's. Aspire to be who you are called to be. So that's three. Here's number four. Work with your hands. Now that's a phrase that means work. Nowadays you, you can find a job that you don't have to labor with your hands. There's all sorts of different jobs. But if you're able, you should be working. You see, there was a problem in the church at Thessalonica because they were so 
into the second coming of Jesus Christ. They felt that he was coming anytime soon. They didn't want to work. That's why Paul had to teach them on the second coming of when Christ would return. And some of them even believed that it had happened. So many of them had quit working. Right? And uh, so Paul wrote this to them in 2 Thessalonians. He said, we gave you this rule. He literally had to give them a rule. And he reminds them in this verse that we did. He said, the the one who is unwilling to work will not eat. We hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, and acting like busybodies. That's why he was instructing, mind your own affairs, work with your hands. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating Cheetos on a plate on your stomach. That's okay. I'm not criticizing anybody that eats like that. There's nothing wrong with laying on the couch and watching TV. It's just a a reference or a symbol for the idea of not doing anything. God has given each one of you creativity and interests and a purpose in life. Put it to work. Put it to work. You may have lost your job. You may be unemployed. But you know what? As a believer, do something. Do something with the Spirit of God in you. And there was a real simple thing. Now, Jesus understood poverty. Jesus understood that we will have the poor among us. Uh, God put within the law how to uh, take care of your fields and leave the extras for those to glean who were poor. Give provision to people. There are people who can't work. There are people who are impoverished. There are people who just can't get the job and they're struggling. And God loves widows and orphans and we're to care for one another. But to those who can and don't, that's a problem. That's a problem. He says you're living undisciplined lives. So we need to understand God wants us to work, God wants us to labor, and he says stop being a busybody, mind your own affairs, live a quiet life, and work. And then fifthly he says walk properly in front of outsiders. He means unbelievers. So we're to walk properly. What do you think that means? Walk according to the Obedience to God's commands, to Jesus' way of life. You know, we're different than the world. Have you figured that out yet? Therefore, our lifestyle should look differently than the world's. It's unfortunate to me that churches are trying to imitate the world. You know, the world creates a new sound, we copy it. world creates a new fashion, we copy it. I don't know what Jesus' clothes look like, I guess... We just follow the culture, that's fine. But we can't walk like the world. Do you know how much sin is in the church right now? We're not walking holiness. We're walking with what we can get by with, undisciplined lives. We're not laboring in the field of the kingdom. We're supposed to be winning the lost. Most of us are just worried about winning the day for ourselves. Writer of Ecclesiastes says this, As dead flies give ointments a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So the apothecary, people that used to make ointments and stuff, they'd have a sweet smell and 
and flies would get in them and then a dead fly in the ointment would start to stink up the ointment. I'm not using that ointment. So it is, a bad decision can ruin the life of wisdom you've been living. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, made a wrong choice and you're still living by that five-minute action that you took? That one stinking fly ruined the something you're having to live with the rest of your life, right? Watch what you're doing and how you're living. I have to tell you my fly story. A long time ago, I don't know how many years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, my wife and I went to a banquet, fancy posh banquet, and we were there, had an amazing meal. Prime rib and all sorts of wonderful good stuff. And had It was in the winter, and uh, I went and got soda pop for my wife and I and came back and had ice and we're eating this amazing meal at this big gala it was beautiful and I take a sip of my pop and I drink again and I decide to take an ice cube and suck on the ice cube and next thing I know there's something in my mouth <laughs> and I pull it out and it's a fly that was frozen in an ice cube and came alive in my mouth. Ah, this is true. I didn't want to eat my prime rib anymore. I didn't want to eat my meal anymore. I didn't want to stay at that place anymore. I was so grossed out. I just wanted to go home. You know, one decision. You've been living for the Lord and you get tempted to make that one thing. Oh, come on, it won't matter. Oh, come on, honey, I love you. Oh, come on, just give me the money. Oh, come on, just follow me here. Come on, it's just a party. Oh, come on, one drink. Oh, come on, one snort. All it takes is to be lax in your wisdom to ruin a life set apart for God. Micah 6.8, what does the Lord require of you? Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. We have to be on full-time alert, brothers and sisters, to walk in holiness. And you will live the good life if you will continue to do that. You'll be blessed. Amen. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to him through God the Father. Whatever you do, ask, will this honor my Father? Will this honor the Lord? Should I say what is about to come out of my mouth? No. I was that kid that made slush balls to throw at the back of people. And when I threw it, they'd always turn around and go, what? Smash! In their face. They didn't like me anymore. What I thought was a little joke. I don't know how many of you are like that. I've learned a long time ago, don't do it. Don't throw it. Don't kid. Don't joke. It'll hurt. So that's a simple illustration, but how many of us, he says, walk properly. Before the world. Last one. 
don't be dependent on anyone so that you lack nothing. Now look, at first of all, we started off with the family, love the family of God. We are dependent on each other. We do need somebody. We needed to be dependent on somebody. But what he's talking about here is don't depend on them to make your livelihood. Don't depend on them that they think your life out. They run your life. You run your life. You're responsible. You steward what God has given you. Don't have mom and dad run you the rest of your life. You're 64 years old and your mother's still making your bed. I made that up. But you know what I'm talking about. Come on. Live your life. Nothing wrong with living at your parents' house. But live your life at your parents' house. Don't be dependent on anyone. There are times we need help from people. There are times I'm sick, I need help. There's times I can't cook, I need help. There's times I need help from other people. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about running your own life. Learn to grow and mature and sustain your life, and it will be a good life. How to avoid this dependency? I found it fascinating that the Brookings Institute, based on an analysis of the census, came up with these three things. This is a secular institute. They said if you'll do these three things, you will avoid poverty and dependency. So young people, if you would do this, complete at least a high school education, work a full-time job, and wait to get married before you have a baby, you'll most likely stay out of poverty. I guess he read our message this morning, the, the scriptures. Isn't it interesting how scientific data proves the Bible? It says that if you'll follow these three basic rules, you'll have a 2% chance of being in poverty and a 72% chance of joining the middle class. What do we have to do? Follow the ways of the Lord. Look at the reason we're teaching this over and over is to benefit you. The reason we come to church and learn the Word of God is so that we can live a good life where we mature and grow and prosper in making right choices and good decisions. And at the end of our days, we will thank God for the life we've had because He is faithful. close with this. He gave us these six things and he said, do this more and more. There's no coasting. Well, I'm in my 60s now and I did all those things. I can take it easy. No, you can't. You're one choice away from stupid. <laughs> I saved it for the end. So keep it simple, saints. Follow the ways of the Lord. Love the family of God. Aspire to live a quiet, measured life. Mind your own affairs. Work with your hands. And walk properly among other people. And be dependent on no one. Follow the will of God for your life. Do this more and more every day. Let's bow our heads.